and let the mercy and grace that we can receive in your time in our time of need father and we need you more than we know we are blessed more than we know we have received more than we know from your throne room of grace so we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word bless these words father help me with these words as i know you always do the anointing makes everything easy so we thank you and we bless you for it in jesus name amen and praise god amen 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 so uh, today i'm going to talk to you about his last words amen his last words and uh, <clears throat> the significance of them um Everybody knows that what what is spoken at the end of life is very important. Uh, if, if you don't know it, you need to know that. Uh, because, and many times, we're not with people at the end of their lives, you know. I mean, unless it's a near relative or a, a somebody you're caring for. But the things that people uh, leave up this earth um, with on their minds and on their hearts uh, is important in understanding uh, their their view of life, of their life, and, and what they were uh, engaged in and involved in throughout their lifetime. It gives you an understanding of that. It also gives you understanding of their desire to leave an inheritance here. You know, your words, your last words, really, are your inheritance. That's what your heirs will will have. And so sometimes the conversations that people have toward the end of life are very, very important to establish uh, things that go after, amen, after they're gone. I know my husband and I had what I call the conversation uh, when he knew that he was sick and, and he kept stressing that it, he, he, I believe in God to heal me. It's not because of that, but you need to know some things. We just don't talk about them all the time, but there's a time where you have to face certain things that you will need to know uh, toward the end of, of life. And so his was where the money was. <laughs> Well, all these dirty little deeds have to be taken care of. All this callous, filthy lucre, you know, dirty mammon, whatever, all these dirty mammon things. But, you know, that was his, his life was taking care of his wife. <laughs> oh, my wife, life, you son of a gun, you know what I'm saying. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so no, <laughs> it's an old pig meat Markham joke. You don't know who he is, and I shouldn't be saying it because it tells you how old I am. But anyway. Anywho, but, um, you know, th those things are important. End of life decisions have to be made and things of that nature. Uh, many times people make pre-preparations for end of life and then they get at the end of life and change their minds about things, you know. Uh, that happens sometimes with people who thought they wanted to be pulled off life support and then they start pleading for life. You know what I'm saying when that time comes. And so uh, these things that happen at the end are important because when people start really coming face to face with eternity, um, decisions have to be made. Uh, ministers are often called to visit people toward the end of life so that they can make sure that they have made peace with God. You have to get your affairs in order uh, and make sure that what the things that you want to get finished before you leave get finished and so and you know too that many times people don't complete everything 
You'll, you'll go through people's belongings and you'll see where they might have bought tickets or reserved space somewhere to take a vacation. They never got a chance to take it. Sometimes people have made plans for uh, retirement or in the process of building a home, a retirement home or something like that, and leave it undone. But Jesus' last words were, it is finished. Amen. And so he is, is one person we know that didn't leave anything undone. Amen. He accomplished everything that was prophesied about him, everything that was expected of him by the Father, <clears throat> everything that came in line with his earthly ministry. In John chapter 19, <clears throat> if you'll turn there, you'll see that uh, situation that happened at the, at the crucifixion. Everybody has a way to exit this life. Jesus always knew what his was. Amen. He, as much as the Father would made him, prepared him for it, he was able to look ahead and know <clears throat> what would have to what would happen to him. He had prophesied it many times to his disciples uh, and to others. And so, as he was on the cross, uh, uh, it said, uh, "Let me see here." Hmm. We'll start in verse. Start in verse 17, because uh, there are some important facts here. And he, bearing his cross, went forth to a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one uh, on either side, one and Jesus in the middle. Amen. Now, uh, that, that's significant in, in a sense that he died uh, placed between two thieves, one on his right hand and one on his left. Now, he could have been in any order. He didn't have to be in the middle. Uh, everything in his life was, was significant and placed in order by the Father. So they had to do it in the way that God wanted and anybody seeing Jesus die there could look and see that there was one on his right hand and one on his left. And remember the parable about the servants when Jesus was taken into his glory. And people would say, come up to him and say, Lord, Lord, I cast out devils in your name. I did this in your name and that. He said, depart from me. I never knew you. And he would cast them to the left side. And he said, those who were his servants that he knew would go on his right side. And so it's firmly believed that between the two thieves was a decision they had to, both had to make, even at their end of life. And this is why many people, uh, uh, chaplains especially, will choose hospital ministry. Because they believe very firmly in the last decision should be made in favor of Christ at the end of your life. See, we don't really understand that too well because we live a saved life. But there are people who don't. And at the end of life, at that time, if they can have an opportunity to choose Jesus. Huh? Because he stood, a place in the middle really is a place of decision. And the decision was not Jesus, but it was those two guys. 
And they both started out the same way. They started out making fun of him because they weren't quite, I guess, hurting enough. But, you know, for you to be in pain yourself and to make fun of somebody else takes a lot of nerve, take a lot of devil nerve. And so they both started off mocking, but as the time of death grew closer, the one looked at the other and said, don't you have any regard even for this man is in the same place as we, yet he did nothing wrong. So that one man was convinced that Jesus was the Savior of the world. And he, he asked Jesus, he said, can you, when you go into your kingdom, can, can I be included there? And Jesus assured him that he was. And so that place of decision, the right hand on the left, it is believed that the thief that repented on the cross was at the right side of Jesus. And the guy who died mocking him was at the left side. And this is a picture of humanity where out of all of the people in the world, some will choose to go with Christ at the end of life. That end of life a decision will be made for Christ and some will mock him to their own grave. Got me? And so the job of the church then is to have the compassion of Christ to want to see as many come to repentance as possible so that they can enter into the glory of God. There are people who believe that deathbed conversions are not legitimate. And so this proves it. You got me? It's never too late for salvation. It's never too late for people to come to Christ. And it's never too late for the church to preach to people that Jesus is the way. And if they will turn their back on sin, quit mocking Joy Behar, God's people. You got me? Now see, if that lady don't get some kind of mercy in her life from God, she will go to hell. Because you can't mock God and his people. He and his people are one. You cannot do that. And see, right now the enemy is setting people up wholesale. Because you see tons of people believing that they don't need God. and Take him out of schools and we don't need this. and we Yet... They're angry because of the murder and the crime and all that kind of stuff, but they are powerless to stop it without God. And they see that now. You got me? And God wants people to know that they need him. Amen? And so God will let it go on as long as people act stupid, I guess. But there comes a day when everybody has to reckon, you know, pay it up with God. And so the end of life is a time of summing up all things. It's a time of finality of all things. And so here Jesus is on on the cross, they're crucified with, with two one on either side, and Pilate wrote a, a title and put it on the cross, and it, in the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Amen? Uh, in, uh, uh, for those of you who grew up in the Catholic Church, it was I-N-R-I, right? Um, I forget what it was. Um, the R-I means Rex, Rex Imperator or um, the I in in Latin is the same thing as a J so it was written in Latin the I-N-R-I it stood for it meant Jesus king of the Jews oh the I was Jesus because there's no J in Latin it's an I instead of a J so it's Jesus yeah um the N was, oh, 
Yesu Nazorum uh, Rex uh, and the, the other J was for Jews. Amen. And so it's the Latin translation of, of whatever those Latin words are. I, I almost remembered them. But anyway, that's what that means. And it was written in all three languages so that everybody, the whole world, was to know that he died as the king of the Jews. Amen. And so the Jews didn't want to own that. There was a great controversy that came out, and they went to Pilate, and they said, no, change that. Change that and make it say, he said he was king of the Jews. And Pilate said, what I've written, I've written, remember? And that was the end of it. She didn't go to a king and tell him to change his mind. And so uh, it was Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. So the world knows it. The world knows he was legitimately their king. He came to his own, but his own received him not. This title then read, Many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified, was near to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest, oh yeah, he says, say I said he was a king. Pilate answered, what I've written, I've written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified him, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. The coat was without a seam. It was woven from the top throughout. And they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it because it, it's valuable. And, and uh, so they cast lots for it, and that was that the scripture might be fulfilled. They parted my clothing among them, and for my vestiture did they cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross Jesus, his mother, uh, uh, the Jesus of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister Mary, the life, wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and his disciples standing, whom he loved, we know that's John, he said to him, Woman, behold your son. So it looks like John took care of Mary after Jesus died. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, all things were accomplished. How many people die knowing that, knowing all things were accomplished? Oh, I wish I could have lived to see my great-grandchildren graduate from, you understand, well, everybody leaves unfinished business. Because everybody uh, lives without having lived a perfect life. So a man who lives a perfect life can say everything's being accomplished when he dies. So if you live a perfect life, you can say that. And he says, <clears throat> after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished in the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it, a, a, put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. And Jesus had received, uh, when he had received it, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath day, because it was a high holy day, asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, they might be taken away. Came the soldiers and broke the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, he was dead already. And the, because he was also prophesied of him that not any of his bones would be broken. Amen. It was a perfect lamb. See, in Hebrew, uh, um, uh, 
um, spiritual in their in their religious rituals. They had to choose a lamb without spot or blemish. None of it, its bones could be broken. It couldn't be lame. It couldn't have any defects whatsoever. And so in order for God to receive Jesus as the perfect sacrifice, he had to come to him whole. Nothing broken. Amen. And so it had, he had to fulfill every requirement of the sacrifice, every requirement that the Father set forth for a perfect life on earth. He had to fulfill everything that was prophesied about him, and he did. And so if there were anything missing, our salvation would not be complete. Got me? If a bone had been broken, if he hadn't, if he had lingered on the cross longer than the Father had said for him to do it, amen, would not be legitimate. So here you see perfect, the Bible says he was made obedient to death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus was made obedient to the Father, amen, in all things. said when he found himself in human flesh, he humbled himself to the Father. And so he lived his whole life doing whatever the Father told him to do. In Isaiah 50, uh, 53, it said it pleased the Father to bruise him. Amen. And so when the Father saw that the suffering was complete, that's when Jesus gave up the ghost. It was always, it wasn't like, oh, Father, it hurts too bad. Can you please like we would do. How many of you been had a head cold and fell out? You know what I'm saying? You just had a conniption because you couldn't get rid of a headache and yeah, be healed in Jesus' name. It ain't gone yet. Uh-huh. So, you know, come on now. And then to endure it for as long as we have to endure it. You know what I'm saying? And so it, it's it's amazing. The grace of God can carry what the grace of God can carry you through if you'll trust the Father, if you just allow him to, to help you in things. And so he, he gave up his spirit, and, uh, and, and uh, the Jews decided then, they went to Pilate about his legs being broken, and they weren't. Uh, the, one of the soldiers had a spear and pierced his side. And out of his side, they were testing to see if he was dead yet. If he wasn't dead, he would have been dead after the piercing. And so uh, out of his side came out blood and water. Amen. Uh, if uh, those of women, anybody's seen a baby born, you'll see that really what they call water is not really water, but it is a mixture of water and blood. It's, it's discarded, actually discarded, it's pink-tinged water. And actually it's discarded blood vessels that were, were where the nutrients were taken out for the, for the baby. And so it's, it's blood discard. But when Jesus was, was pierced, it was water and blood that gushed out. And people think that symbolized the birth of the church. Amen. Because we, are, we came out of him. Out of his side, the, the last Adam, amen. So the first Adam was put to sleep and a rib taken out. You men be careful where y'all sleep. Right, Poppy? 
might come up minus a body part. Well, a wallet, okay. For most men, that's similar to a, a, a rib coming out or a body part. Anywho, that's a different subject. But uh, uh, but the first Adam was his wife came from his side. God put him to sleep, took a rib out. Uh, this last Adam, the church was already birthed through his obedience, but symbolically there had to be some evidence of the birth of the church from Christ, and that was the symbolic evidence that when his side was pierced, there's the, the last Adam, out of it came a spiritual bride, and that's us. And so it says, in those who that saw it bear record that it is true, and he knows that he's, what he says is true, that you might believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken, and again, another scripture says that they took, looked on him who they pierced. Amen. So then that Jesus' burial comes after that. A rich man, Joseph, put him in his grave, and that was a fulfillment of prophecy too. But Jesus' last words in verse 30, it is finished, is significant in that uh, the word that the Greek word, and you've seen it, they had a we had a play, you know, back in the 80s, Christians made play out of everything. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Every Greek word they could find, they made a play out of it. Hebrew words, you know, they weren't so uh, fancy with the Hebrew words because they didn't understand a whole lot of that. But anyway, um, uh, tetelestai is the Greek word. And what it really refers to, it's really an accounting term. Amen? And it means... Total and final payment. So it means total and final payment. Which I was thinking about what we, we were sharing yesterday about you're not, you're not here by works. There are no works. I mean, if, if it's paid in full, there's nothing you can do to work it to make God want to bless you faster, better. Longer, stronger. You know, we have to take ourselves out of it and really rely on what God has done and believe in what he's done. And not in what we do so much, but believe in what he has done. And so uh, um, he, was, he was able to declare his last statement at the end of life. He declared it to all. Everybody, heaven and earth and under the earth, heard and record what's been spoken out of his mouth. Amen. And so for heaven and earth, those of us who live on earth, it is finished and it's, there has been total and complete payment made. Final payment has been made. Let me look at my word again before I get too, too far away from it. It really, let me see, ah. that word also means a consummation, and that means uh, um, all things are consolidated in this one, one act. Everything that you need from God is consolidated in his death. It means completion. It means to finish and also to roll over to the next level. 
And it also means complete and final payment or paid in full. So when you, when you have a ledger and you balance the books, say, for instance, if you're, you're adding um, a monthly, you're making a monthly statement, at the end of the month, if, you, if your books balance, that means that uh, your income and your outgo have to measure the same. You're not in the red, you're not in the black, but everything's paid off. Then you roll it over to the next month, and how many of you know if you got a job, you get fresh money? Amen. And so what happens is at the end of his earthly life, he has made complete and total payment for our sinful life, and he rolls it over to a new page. Huh? So you're a new creature. Because your debt's paid in full, final, of your old life, and you get rolled over to a, a new money. Uh, it's the first of the month. I didn't get paid again. We got new money in there. Of course, you're going to do the same thing with as you did with the old money. But at least you got a, hey, you got a chance to do something different this time, huh? All right, we got new money all of a sudden. A new outlook, a new lease on life. You're a new creature. Old things are paid in full. Everything that the old life would generate is paid in full. You know, if your parents send you away to school and they deal with the, the uh, treasurer's office or bursar or whatever they call them people. Nowadays they call it financial aid. Back in the day it was the, the bookkeeper or the treasurer. But nobody came to your aid. But if your parents, that's right, your parents could, could send money down there and say, uh, I'm going to put this in the, in the account, put this in the account for my child, and they are to use it for necessary expenses. Amen. And so you have a running account already for your necessary expenses in the future, which means if you cut up and sin and you know, go pull a knife on somebody, cuss them out, run through the church, you know, acting crazy and tearing up all the furniture in here. That's paid for already. Put that's on my kid's account. My kid don't halfway know what they're doing and they ain't responsible all the time. I mean, they're doing the best they can down there. But in case they cut up, mess up, tear up, it's paid for already. Amen. So that's also what it is finished means. It means past, present, and future. Anything that you do on this earth is paid for. Now, I'm sure there's no sinning in heaven. You got me? So it would have to be the things down down here on earth. And also, it has to be dealt with while you're here on earth. These bills have to be paid down here on earth. What pays your bills? Your confession. Remember that? It's also good for speaking forth and, and declaring what you want to see manifest and all that. But it's also good for wiping the slate clean again, getting you out the pokey, getting you out of condemnation and making excuses for yourself. Uh, excuse making is always a sign of trespass. <laughs> it is. You don't need to make excuses if you're living right. 
you to live right and, and reap the fruits of it. But you find yourself explaining too much and trying to excuse things and telling people what happened to you when you were six years old. And, hmm? Everybody's version's different. You know, you ever go around people that knew you when you were small and and they would tell you things like, uh, you know, your mama always uh, made your hair look so nice and I wish she was my mama. You said, huh? Because huh? <laughs> your version of it was, she means, she don't do this. But she kept that royal crown on there and slicked you down and made it behave. You got out, got on your own, that hair wouldn't lay down for nothing. <laughs> Tell me, I don't know what I'm talking about. Huh? It's true. So, you know, your confession will keep you out of that arena. Always trying to fix things up, make them sound like you want them to sound, make them be like you want them to be. It'll keep you in truth. And so that's where, where God wants us to live. Because the truth is not too hard to face in Christ. You got me? You face anything in him. And so Jesus, when he, was, when he said it was finished, uh, he, it, it really talks about uh, uh, a covenant term as well. Because if, if the bill's paid or there's some accounting done, there must have been some kind of an agreement that it refers to. Uh, like if I found a ledger book that had bank account balances, you know, with in my my late husband's name, the first <laughs> I, I have looked and there ain't none. All right, <laughs> they're all gone. I took care of that real or no. But the first thing I'm going to do is find out is that account active. I don't know about you, but I will you know what I'm saying? sit up there and, and weep because you missed him. Is there anything in there, sir? Huh? You know, he don't need money where he is. I just, uh, you understand what I'm saying? Accounting is for other living. Jeez. Oh, y'all grow up. Quit being, quit being like that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but but it, if something's finished now, Jesus is saying it's finished, and so that your ledger has zero balance. You don't owe anything. Doesn't look like you got anything until you check what the contract says. And what does this ledger refer to? And so if I find some some uh, bank bank books with his name on them. I want to find out where the contract is that sets forth the terms of this and what I can get out the deal. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so his it is finished refers to a contract or a covenant. Amen. So what, what is finished is the portion of the contract with the penalty. Why? Because he's paid off all your debts. See, there's nothing, oh, you don't owe God anything but to love him. And he's, and that ain't your love. He supplies the love. Just give him back what he gave to you. He don't need nothing from us. 
And so when you think about that, if, if it is finished refers to a contract or a covenant that we, we have or that he has with us or he wants to have with us, see, an eternal contract can be entered into at any time. So you can be in covenant with God at three years old if you're able to make that or uh, 10 years old, 80, 90, deathbed, whenever it is. And so uh, if, if it refers to a contract, then the portion of the contract that's finished is the penalty phase. So we are redeemed from the curse of the penalty of the broken law. And the penalties were heavy. We're not talking about a time out until your parents start feeling guilty and pull you out the penalty box. Not me. We're talking about uh, generations that would not be allowed in the temple because of certain curses. Amen. We're talking about bondage where uh, your children will be... uh, um, um, there's one curse that has to do with offspring, uh, where your children, you will have children but not enjoy them because they will go into captivity. Uh, drugs, alcohol, bad marriages, getting beat up, you know, bullied at school, all that kind of stuff. You won't be able to enjoy them because that's the curse of the broken law. And see, unless you really have a covenant with God and you stand on the terms of that covenant, uh, you can suffer immeasurably uh, in these things. That's why we encourage young people get married before you have kids. Don't have your kids out of wedlock. And, and if you do do that, then repent and come back to God and get them under covenant with God in, in the house of, you know, in the house of, of grace and mercy. Amen. Before they, you know, get out there in the world and start learning the world's ways, where there's no protection for them. And so when, when we understand that the broken law draws a penalty, and what you've escaped is the penalty phase. You haven't escaped the obedience phase. You've got to do what God tells you to do now. Come on now. See, this is the problem that people have sometimes when they talk about old versus new covenant. The Bible says that you are redeemed from the curse of the broken law. Now, who carries out the curse? So we don't know. Now, God spoke the curse, but the God of this world carries it out because you're under his authority when you break the law. You don't break the law without obeying the devil. You obey the iniquity that's in your heart. You obey the lusts of your heart. And so what you're doing is serving the God of this world, and you get his payment. Except, mm, it's paid already, devil. You got me? So you sit up and feel guilty and feel like you, uh, you can go to God. Look what I did. Until you remember, I don't owe anything. It's finished. He paid. Jesus, I thank you for paying. Please forgive me. I don't want to do nothing else wrong because I don't like feeling like this. But see, with us, it's just a feeling. It's not a reality. With sinners, it's a reality. You got me? And it doesn't have to be. 
Because we can get them in any time that we speak those words and they receive Christ. They can come out of the penalty phase of their trial. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So the penalty's been paid. And what has also been paid is the price of righteousness. Because if you stood forgiven, there's something taken away, but there's nothing added. And if you're going to live a real life, you got to have something added. You have something in the place of what you used to do, cutting up, can on, or you go right back again. So many people don't know what's been added to their life. We're so glad to be forgiven and off the hook because we're just human. <laughs> but God said, hey, wait a minute, I got something for you to take with you. Something that's divine. You get a new lease on life just like you get a new. You know, they got, uh, somebody told me they worked for someone. Who is that? Peggy. She works for, uh, who is them people? Lexus on the concierge. Now listen, I'm a Cadillac owner. We used to have the best of everything, but they never gave us no concierge. You know what I'm saying? They got to have somebody to teach you how to drive your car. Nothing but bondage. I said, give me them keys. I've been, I've been driving longer than you've been born. I'll figure this thing out. And what I can't figure, I ain't going to use. Just show me how to start it up and back it out of here. Huh? <laughs> Always go backwards and not forwards first. You, know? you can drive backwards, you'll make it. People get my age, they don't like to put it in reverse. <laughs> and we need to reverse everything. But, you know, I used to, when, when I was there, I'd go to Heinen. You know, I went there, it was always them old ladies. They had the longest car you could find. <laughs> oh, honey, I don't like to back up. They get out in a minute. They saw you was young and could see. They said, honey, can you back it out for me? I don't like to back out. I feel your pain now. So. So that's the first thing I test is the reverse. If I can reverse it, I can make it. Uh, but anyway, you need to know how to how to operate in the new the new life. Amen. And so, in order for you to do this perfectly and do it so you get maximum benefit out of everything that Jesus suffered for us, He comes and He lives in you to help you by the Holy Spirit this is such a no fail covenant it would take the devil to screw it up you understand he's the only person I know to get kicked out of heaven now what could you find fault with in heaven huh except you don't run it you know what I'm saying he would find fault with something Anybody get kicked out of heaven ain't worth following down here. You understand me? Just leave him alone. So when Jesus says it's finished, he's talking about the penalty phase of the old covenant and the price for the new life. So you get, excuse the, 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 the uh, ledger sheet for payment is completed with a zero balance and the new leaf you turn the new page for your new life 
and that's a new sinless life in Jesus Christ. If you transgress his law as a, as a new covenant Christian, you repent and the penalty phase is broken. You got me? The more you can keep your soul free from excuses and this is why this, the more you can keep your soul free, the less trouble you get into eventually. See, when people make excuses for their sins instead of confessing and repenting, that's why you Catholics had to go to confession all the time. Remember we would, Bishop Tony was in that, that church and we used to cast lying spirits out the confessional. There was a Catholic church and they still had the confessional booths, booths in there when he had the church. And we would go and pray in there because we'd have our conferences there sometimes. And we'd go in there and, and God would say there are lying spirits in the confessional. Get them out of here. Yeah, a church full of liars. Huh? Well, you didn't have the blood atonement, so you had to lie. Or you didn't feel good. <laughs> Catholic, you know what I'm saying? It, it was all make believe, you know. Every now and then somebody get really saved, but for the most part, it was just religion, form with no power, denying you the power. And so, uh, when when if you don't confess, you must confess. You can't just, you know what I'm saying? Assume it's okay. Don't ever do that. You go to God. You talk to Him. Because God will sometimes show you, you know, the reason you don't like to confess your sins is because you've never been blood washed and cleansed and purged from all unrighteousness. A little unrighteousness is sin. And so sometimes people carry in their souls old guilt, old fears, old all this old stuff. You've never been purged and get it You don't have to live with a little bit of don't feel good about yourself. You understand what I'm saying? You get in there until you're sure that that word is true for you in your case. And your sins are totally purged and cleansed. And you can go to God without halting. You can talk to man without trying to make excuses for yourself. You can go to people and, and face them and face your faults. And, you know, well, sister, I've noticed, and this might be my imagination, but I just feel like sometimes there's something between the two of us. Have I offended you in any way? You understand what I'm saying? Christians rarely do that. You understand what I'm saying? Because we don't trust. You know what we're scared of? What we going to hear? And you wouldn't be that if you knew your sins were forgiven. Just saying. See, this is, this is how you get miracles in the church every day. Because you respect the blood. You respect what he did. And you respect, you look, at, you look back at that and you say, man, he suffered a lot for me. The least I can do is feel a little uncomfortable long enough to confess to my brother or my sister, if there's something there, can we please take care of it and get what do I need to do to make that right with you so we can have peace between us? If somebody comes to you like that, you're in sin double if you refuse to speak to them about it. See, you're not right if you leave that person in mystery as to what it is. You need to just say, you know what, I don't think it's anything. I'm just being stupid. In my imagination again. 
imagining everybody hates me when I don't like them. See, you get yourself set free if you learn how to use what we have, what he died and bled for. That's what he died and bled for, for us to be one people and not have this nonsense. You got me? Uh, There's no black hats in this western. There's no bad guys running around here. Nobody's after you. Nobody's trying to hurt you. Nobody dislikes you, but you need to check how you feel. Huh? You check your own heart. Because that's where that comes from, and you don't know how to go to the cross and get forgiven, and you start projecting it onto everybody in your atmosphere. Amen? So let's get it straightened out, you all. That's what Easter's really for. You want to celebrate? That's what we celebrate. That's what it's for. For you to live a pure, cleansed, sin-free, guilt-free, condemnation-free, projecting your ill feelings onto your brother. You got to stop it. You got to stop it. If his death means anything, if his suffering means anything to you, you'll stop it. So that has been completed for you. He took a beating for you. He took the beating you should get and he did it for you not to be not to have to run around with sin on you in any form. Even if it's absorbing that people don't treat you right. That's sin too. Because you're supposed to forgive that. And not wear it like some kind of badge. I'm the queen of my heart is on my sleeve. I'm so sensitive and tender. A little snowflake. Well, I'll just melt. You say something wrong to me, I'll just melt. Talk to your own self then. But I know one thing, you need to get with the program. You need to get with what God has done for you. Amen? Take advantage of that. It's for you, to help you to live complete, whole, and sinless Every day. So uh, the word uh, finished really means the consummation, completion, rolling over to the next level. So not only do you get a new page in your, le- in your ledger, but you're living at a higher level now. New covenant is better than the old. Amen. The Bible says the old was done away with because it was weak. In that nobody stayed with it for very long, amen, because it had to be carried out in the flesh. So it's the same thing when we start relying on, do we confess enough? Have we fasted? Have we prayed? Have we exited? No, 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 and no. Because you'll never do it as much as to outdo what he did. Got me? So quit trying. And so, so stop trying to prove to God how much you can suffer and how much you can put up with so that he can bless you it ain't about that you can't outdo him a person's last words reflect what they are looking forward to in the future as well so jesus was looking forward to the day where his people would live free like he did every day on the earth living in harmony with the father So his covenant and his finished work put you in harmony with the Father. 
When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and you start living that life of obedience to him, you live in total harmony with the Father. Amen? So his words at his finish form the expression of the summation of his life. It was summed it all up. He summed it all up in, I have finished the work that I was sent here to do. A person's last words also forms a clearing of that person's conscience as well. So many times people, their last words, they will, they will begin to, uh, they want to see a minister. So somebody can witness the confession of their sins or confession of their faults. Those of us who, who understand and have a relationship with God, covenant relationship, know that's not really necessary. But it's not wrong either. If people want to see somebody uh, when, before they pass away, let them, let them talk to a minister. Let them, let them make sure that their heart is right and, and everything. They have a clear conscience. I remember when my mother, the night before she passed away, and uh, Pastor Shirley and I went in to see her, and God had me read her uh, uh, in First John. If, if you confess, I, I read it. I said, Mama, let me read something to you. And I read to her, and I said, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, that was not an accusation. See, if you're in a carnal mindset, you'll be scared to read that to somebody because you're scared they'll think you're accusing them of doing something wrong. See, that's why we live beneath our privileges in God. Because we don't use the whole of Scripture. The Bible says all Scripture is profitable. All of it's profitable. And see, if I had been coming to her as a daughter only, I might have not want to read it. But you know what? You need to you need to ask people, ask God sometimes. God, uh, who am I today? <laughs> Am I the daughter? Am I the servant? The minister? The, you got to know which hat to wear when, because you wear so many of them, huh? It's interesting, you know. And and many times people don't know how to separate their roles out and how to function fully in all of them. Amen. Um, Jackie Joyner Kiersey, remember her, the athlete, at the end of her Olympic career she started having injuries and her husband Bob was her trainer he trained Flojo who else did he? he had a lot of people he was a very accomplished trainer of a lot of different athletes and um, when she was she kept trying to to she I think she was in a, a pentathlon or what's the yeah that's the five one What's the 10 one? Decathlon. One of those she was in, she was trying to qualify for both, and she could faltering and all that. And, and he would tell her, okay, Jackie. He didn't say anything to her. She would get up and try it again, get up and try it again. And one time she got up and he said, Jackie, stop now, quit. He said, this isn't your trainer. This is your husband talking to you. you know? He said, you stop. Amen. Because a man can press his wife to bring the best out of her, but a husband has to protect her. When, he's, when he knows it's gone too far. 
I see that's the blessing of having a wise husband because if she was left to another trainer who didn't have that role with her as well, she'd have stayed out there and injured herself or something like that. And so a wise person knows how to separate out what their roles are. Amen. And so when I spoke to my mother, I showed her, I read her that scripture. And she looked up, she said, is that in there? I said, uh-huh. I said, you want me to read it? She said, yeah, read it again. And I read it to her again. That morning she passed away. You know what she was waiting for? Confess her sins before she died. And she said, you mean God can clean me up? I said, you sure can. Huh? And you go outside the door and cry. You understand what I'm saying? But, but you know, it's touching when you know that God sent you there and he's preparing that person to come and, and he will receive them. You got me? It's that important. This is the beginning of our Christianity. It's the confession of our sins. And it is the last thing we do as Christians. He prepares us to go on to glory. You got me? you got to appreciate that. You know, people play that so cheap sometimes. You know, like, take it for granted. Ah, don't you dare do that. Don't you dare do that. And don't think everybody that confessed him years ago is going. There's a lot of road in between. And you don't know if it's all been approved by God. you got to check those things out and stay open. Stay open to that. I think it was, um, and I know I had heard somebody's testimony uh, I think it was Mother Wright, you know, some some solid, solid old-time Pentecostal Baptist background type Christians. And uh, she said, yeah, I went to see, uh, I got a chance to go see some. She was always visiting somebody because she had been a pastor's wife, and she would always visit the sick in the hospital and visit. And she had uh, um, gone to see a young man who used to be a choir choir director, and he was a homosexual. And he was dying of AIDS. And she said, you know what? She said, you ready to go get a, get a dirty body back to the Lord? You ready to go home to be with the Lord? And he just wept like a baby. She said, you just pray. Brother, you pray. She said, and she read him the word and assure him of God's forgiveness toward him. She said, you, you pray with me. Amen? Amen? And they die in peace. It's a wonderful thing to die in peace. And you can only have God's peace if he approves of what your last actions are. Amen. You've got you to gotta understand that. It's very important. He, Jesus didn't die to be played cheap. He died to be taken seriously. It's a serious thing. And so we've got to understand that. And we need to take it seriously too. So <clears throat> Jesus was released from his earthly life. Knowing that he had fulfilled his purpose on the earth. John 17, 4 talks about the purpose for which he came. And that's close, so we'll turn it over and, and look at that. I think it's 17, 4. Jesus said he, he, he came to bring glory to the Father. He said, I've glorified you on the earth and I have finished the work which you gave me to do. Part of the work was that he would destroy the works of the devil, right? Catch the devil with the goods and make him let him go, amen? Destroy his works. That's why he went about healing people. 
uh, relieving them of their suffering, all of those things, destroying the works of the devil. Um, so he fulfilled his purpose. He came to fulfill prophecy about himself. Uh, scholars say there's over 300 prophecies given about the Messiah. If you check scripture, Jesus fulfilled them all. Amen. So he came to fulfill prophecy about himself, both in his life and in his death. Amen. Most people don't fulfill a lot of prophecy once they're dead, but he sure did. <laughs> he did the will of the Father in all things. He was the expression of of God in the flesh and he demonstrated the life a soul can live if they are totally submitted to God as a sacrifice in the Lamb of God he made total atonement for our sins he cleanses us from all unrighteousness not forgive some things but forgives all things there's nothing too bad you can do that he doesn't forgive. And he also came to reconcile all men to God. You know what reconciliation is? It's, it's to stand in the place as a mediator to bring peace. If, if I hear that, that uh, and I'll just give it as an example because they're real people. If I hear that Nola and Howard are not getting along, amen, and I will go to one or both as a reconciler, which means this. If I go and I, I, if I just go to Howard, if I find they're not getting along, I just go to Howard and I say, you better not be taking that money for them, from them babies away from her. You better pay that girl that money Take care of your kids. You got responsibilities, brother. What's your problem? Huh? And he doesn't respond. <laughs> what have I done? I haven't attempted to bring peace. I've taken sides. A reconciler does not take sides. A reconciler lays down their life. I'm Listen. Y'all can get mad at me if you want to, huh? but I'm just going to give you the word. I'm just trying to be helpful here. If you don't want to hear it, you don't have to listen. But you make yourself of no repute. You're nothing and a nobody. You're just the vessel, the conduit that hopefully can be used to bring them to one another. Now, if I went to her and I said, you mean you ain't in there cooking and cleaning and doing what you're supposed to, girl? You mad at him for no reason? Go. See, I'm taking his side. And so I have injected my value into the transaction. Instead of being the instrument, the sacrifice, I sacrifice who I am so that they can be all that God's called them to be. That's what reconciliation really is, folks. You, you can't reconcile people and be mad at one you know that's what you get for listening to one side of the story you understand what <laughs> i always take in mind there's two sides to every story and in a, a, a counselor who hears from god you can if you will absent yourself of any judgment any prejudice any anything you can hear from god and give people what god has to say on the subject amen and bring peace 
God could care about who's right or wrong. Did you know that? Did you know that question's been settled forever? All y'all wrong. huh? And all y'all can be right. You got me? If we get rid of this and turn over a new leaf and a new page and just show people the way. Amen. And so when Jesus says he reconciled us to God, he made himself of no reputation, came as a servant and a sacrifice. He, he fulfilled his purpose as the Lamb of God. He laid down his life from the foundation of the world and then walked it out. The, world, the word always walks itself out. That's why it won't return void. It won't return and say it couldn't do. It always walks itself out. So if you're doing anything in obedience to God's word, it will come to pass because the word always walks itself out. It does exactly what it says it's going to do. Amen? And brings to pass everything it says it's going to bring to pass. When Jesus had suffered enough in the eyes of the Father, not in his own eyes. He had to suffer enough in the eyes of the Father. Then he could say it was finished. He pleased the Father in his suffering. He pleased the Father in that they both had agreed. God, Jesus had a covenant with God the Father to carry this out. It pleased the father that his son was obedient. Not God's not some kind of sadist enjoying people's pain. Uh, if you you study all the fathers, all the patriarchs in the Bible, they love their sons. It's like you love your children. You want to spare them of trouble. You want to spare them some people too much. Amen. Because if, if God's in their life, you can let them. You could let them do do without the new whatever they want till they earn the money to pay for it themselves, that kind of stuff. You know, it, it, they need to, some things, you know, you can judge a little too much in their favor, but the intent's right. You, you, wanna, you want to spare your children. You don't delight in their suffering. Amen. And so when the father said it was not enough, Jesus gave up the ghost. And so he had to trust the father. And that's what we have to do. In order to please God, we have to trust him. Trust him with our lives. Trust him with our future. Trust him with everything that we need to be trusted with. And so if they're after the Father, Jesus said it was finished. He talked to the Father about it. The Father said enough. Jesus said it's finished. It's paid for. <clears throat> he put his spirit into his Father's hands. With his words. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Why? He was wrapped up in human flesh. And in human flesh, if you're not, if you die in your hands, your, your spirit is not in God's hands, guess who's going to get it? You go, to, you, go, you go to death on your own power, and guess who gets your Get your spirit up. The devil owns you. And Jesus knew he would have to go into hell to redeem, to do the, the finished work, to finish the finished work. 
he went and preached to the souls who were in hell or paradise. In paradise, he preached to them. And the people who were in hell, he preached to too. And he let them go out of the bondage of the devil. If he hadn't put his hand in his father's spirit, he would have been pinned up down there just like every other soul that went down there without God's, without God's dominion over them. You got me? Everything he did. And he did it as an example to us that he died as a man, dependent on God, not the son of God with privileges. You got me? He died as a man. Pay a sinless man sacrificed because the rest of us needed. And that deal had been worked out with God before the foundation of the earth. So nobody could come in and say it was manipulated after the fact. You got me? No hanky-panky here. It wasn't like before the foundation of the earth there was one price. And then after Jesus lived on the earth for a little bit, the father looked down and said, hmm, maybe I can cut him some slack on this one. Just like he with us. He's already decided to forgive us. So, you know, if we mess up afterwards, it doesn't negate the promises that he's made to us from the foundation of the earth. See, what came before stands. God's word is eternal. His mind's made up before you even get here. You got me? He's, his mind's made up to love you and forgive you eternally. Amen? Forever. As long as you're down here and need forgiven, you can get forgiveness from God. Amen? So Jesus said it's finished and put his spirit into the Father's hands to do the Father's will. Under the earth and then ascend into heaven. In John chapter 20. Comrade, how long do I have? Uh oh. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. And um, in 20. Verse 11. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked, looked into the sepulcher and sees two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And he said to her, woman, why do you weep? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they have laid him. And she was there. They had begun preparing his body for burial according to Jewish tradition and so it, it, they never got a chance to get finished because uh, it was getting to be sundown it's like Jesus if you was going to die how come you didn't die a little sooner so we decided to prepare you understand what I'm saying now how many of you know if they were anointing him for his burial they were a little late okay Mary had done that already. Remember the alabaster box? So he was already anointed for his burial. Amen. And that was enough. He, see, he had to fulfill everything. He couldn't have gone to the, into the tomb not fully prepared for his, you know what I'm saying. It just, and then when they did go, because it was the weekend, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Hey, whatever. Um. They didn't do anything all day Saturday because it was the holiday, the Sabbath, right? And so Sunday was as soon as they could get up and 
and go and check and see, and they wanted to finish. In three days, you stink, okay? So they know whoever gets their first thing Sunday morning has a chance to finish the embalming process. And so uh, she, she got there, and she found that he was gone. And she's thinking somebody moved the body. And, and uh, there was a rumor going around that uh, the disciples were going to come and steal him. That's what the Pharisees said. You know, religious devils got, got plans for everything. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful when your mind starts making too many plans for things around. If I, you know, well, you know, somebody come up to me and ask me if God answered that prayer yet. I'm going to tell them, so you're in religion when you start doing that. You don't know, owe people an explanation for why it's taking so long. Amen. Or did it happen yet? No, them explanation for that. They ain't God. And so he he's dealing with Mary, and she wants to finish embalming him, and she wants to know where they moved the body because it's gone. So she didn't believe either about the resurrection. You got me? Amen. And so anyway, he said, uh, um, and when she, she said, oh, and they said, oh, let me see, where were we? She said, they've taken him away. Verse 14, when she had said that, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and didn't know who he was. Jesus said to her, woman, are you weeping? Who do you seek? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have taken him somewhere, tell me where you laid him, and I'll take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned herself and said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. And Jesus said to her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. And then she came and told his disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. So, when, when we talk about it being finished and the bill paid and you go over to the new page, what's the new page? So what's the new page for Jesus? We know that for us, we can be born again. We can be saved. But Jesus also has a new page that he has to turn in his obedience to the covenant. Still have a covenant with God. And so in Jesus' new page, he finished the terms of the new covenant in his blood to a certain level. That means that he had given himself up as the Passover lamb. From that time on, his new page is that of a great high priest. So the new page for him, amen. See, he came and fulfilled as Messiah, a man chosen by God, sinless, fulfilled. All of those, all the boxes were checked for the things that the Messiah would come to do. So once that's done and it is finished, a new page flips over for him. And his new page is that of the great high priest. So what does the high priest do? He has to go up and offer blood of atonement on the mercy seat in heaven. So when the high priest was in his priestly ministry, and this proves he's a great high priest. If anybody asks you, well, how do we know Jesus is there ministering? You tell them, listen, he was ceremonially clean, and that's why Mary could not touch him. 
he was ministering then while he met her at the tomb he had washed himself clean remember he was cleansed by the father when he was raised all the death that was on him came off when when he was raised from the dead he took his cloth and put his vestments he took unwrapped himself took those vestments off laid them to the side just like a priest would do now people say that the napkin why was the napkin folded well because you know if your master got up from dinner if the napkin was still folded that means he wasn't finished that's not true he is finished he put his side his earthly garments himself he dressed himself as a high priest because when you're put in that office you're not dead anymore you don't need a man to come and unwrap you and get you out of there you dress yourself in your priestly garments and if you look at what the old testament priests did they were neat and orderly when they took their earthly vestments off and then put on the priest garb and the robe and the mitre and all that stuff they dressed themselves why because they were alive so when he got up out of them clothes, he was alive, took them all off, folded them, laid them to the side. He wasn't coming back to that tomb. He was finished with death. Death could not hold him. That's why it can't hold us. Anything that comes to you that's from death, you can unwrap yourself from it and lay that aside and begin your confession of faith to minister. Give him something to minister over your life. So when he tells Mary, don't touch me, he's not rejecting her. He is showing her that he is ceremonially clean, and until he presents that blood at the throne of heaven on the real mercy seat, he cannot be touched and contaminated, just like the Old Testament high priest was. You didn't go up to the Old Testament high priest and touch them. You didn't even see them. They were behind the veil. You understand what I'm saying? So now the veil is torn. You got no veil to hide behind anymore. Everything's done out in the open. He is revealed to her as her great high priest. Therefore able to minister over her confession. So he immediately sends her on an errand. Tells her to go tell everybody. In other words, you start your ministry because I'm the great high priest and I'm ready to minister over your confession. It starts now. Your new page starts now. Amen. For those of us who are saved, our new page has started. Act like it. Amen. You got a new page in him. You don't have to live the same old crazy way that we've known that we've been living. But we can live in a high place in God. We can live in a lofty, holy place in God. And it's not trying to be better than anybody, but it's living for him. That's the highness of it. That's the height of it. Is that now you have a new page. Why? Because it's finished. Amen. Your debts are finished. Your sin life is finished. Your loving sin is finished. Your living in sin. Your hopelessness is finished. You come out of that. You got a new page. So if we will live that new page, that would please him. It pleases God much, much, much when we live in that new creation life. He sees you down here, you know, half doing this and half doing that and upset all the time. And I can't get this and my prayers don't get it. Turn the page. 
Amen. That old debts are, are, are paid up now. Turn the page into a debt-free. You know what I'm saying? That's a debt-free the church needs to preach. Your earthly debts don't mean, listen, you can die in them debts and nobody will pay them. You understand what I'm saying? Them people, so all them people dead, their kids ain't got no money. We know that because they spent up everything. That's why the parents died in debt. You understand what I'm saying? Just just live in that debt free. We can live in that debt free. We'd be making it, honey. We would definitely be making it. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. 